Triple Play Fantasy Spaceball Show with D. Mindy, Little Cheesecake, and Doc starts now. So Ollie's able to keep his head because, folks, he's been as good as you can possibly be without being perfect. A swing and a miss. High fastball got Osuna. Six strikeouts for Savali. Yes, we welcome in a man that masters the dog Instagram filter just as much as he masters mowing opponents down on the mound. A gamer, a chef, a dog dad. This pitcher might as well be an artist with how much he paints the strike zone. The master of Look What I Found, where the ball just finds his mitt. We welcome in Aaron Savale. What's up, dude? Thanks for coming on the show with us today. What's going on? Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, so, truly uh, very interesting. Obviously, I don't know if you realize this, but you set the fantasy baseball community on fire with responding to my tweets. So I really appreciate you interacting with me and, and willing to do this. Not a lot of players do it, so it definitely means a lot. Um, and I just, it really, I think, I speak for the entire community that it, it uh, being able to talk with you kind of about your game and you're willing to kind of open up about it is big for the community. So I just wanted to thank you for that to start out. Yeah, no problem. It's not a problem for me at all. Glad to be here and talking to you guys. So cool. So the other day and I, I agreed with it. So working on myself <laughs> and we'll get into it. Awesome. So before we dive into everything, I want to say that I realized we had a lot of similarities when I was talking to you last night, just kind of corresponding. So first off, we both have Aaron in our name because that's my middle name. Oh, we also, yeah. I feel like, got both engaged around the same time, and we both have a young pup that we take care of. So besides you being a success, uh, successful MLB pitcher and having a better beard than me, I think we're kind of a similar person. What do you think? Yeah, both East Coast too, right? That's right, yeah. Because you said you're up in Massachusetts, yeah. right? Yeah, from Connecticut originally. So, awesome. Yeah. I, I was um, hoping you would shoot David down. I, I wanted his self esteem to go down a little bit. No <laughs> <laughs> uh, need to do that. We'll see. The one thing I was going to actually get into uh, is before we, we kind of dive in here, you have an older brother, Nick, that I know is a big inspiration to you. We write for the same company, Fantrax. But you speak highly of your older brother, which he does not do of me. <laughs> That's so true. So <laughs> since I don't get compliments from him, do you mind talking about what your older brother, Nick, kind of has meant to you and your success to where you're at today? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've loved baseball since a young age, and he was a that um, I think I started playing around four or five and always just wanted to do whatever he was doing and fell in love with the game pretty much because of what he was doing, always trying to do what big brother was doing you know um but he's just there to make sure i was doing things right and going about things the right way and keeping me loving the game instead of making it feel like a job and i still feel that way today so i have him to thank me for setting me on the right path see eric if you follow aaron's example you support and you talk good things about your big brother just take notes of that uh so growing up in connecticut as you mentioned you went to the Loomis Chaffee School in Windsor, home of the Pelicans. I hope I didn't mess that name up. Yeah. Uh, and then Chafee, eventually went yeah, to... Fine. What is it? Loomis Chaffee, but that's fine. Did I say right. Chaffee? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm used to mispronunciations of all these. doesn't actually... doesn't usually get the right pronunciation. No worries there. Okay, cool. So then... And then you went to play ball at Northeastern University, where you made hitters look like little leaguers there. So can you talk about your time 
kind of going through that level and how it started shaping you as the pitcher that you are before you went to the Valley Scrappers? Yeah. Um, so my first two years of college, I was actually a reliever. Um, actually, like the week before final started my freshman year, I got mono and over into the season a little bit. So I missed the first two weeks of the season because of that. And I mean, at this point, everything worked out for the best, but I was kind of like in line for that potential third starter of the weekend um, with the delay of the season, just worked into a reliever role. And first two years were thrown into that. And I think sophomore year, I was pretty much a closer the whole year. Me and one other kid um, was available, would, would fill that role with with that experience. I think I learned how to pitch in leverage situations how to pitch with my off speed first and once I transitioned back into starting I kinda kept that same mentality. Um obviously college hitters are a little different than what I've been facing recently, but that mentality's still there. Um it's just a longer a longer outing as a reliever instead of every fifth day instead of every other day or whatever. Yeah, and it really carried over was when you went into your professional career starting in 2016 to 2019 when you got called up by the now just the Cleveland team for now, whatever they're going to be. Um, came out strong, six innings, six strikeouts against the Tigers in a 2-0 win. So awesome way to make your debut. But I want to kind of start talking about pitching as far as your your uh, two first big seasons in the big leagues here. and. Kind of, I, I know you said you saw the article that I put out for you yesterday, and I kind of wanted to go across what I saw and kind of your thoughts on everything. And if it's things that you take notice, not just what I say, but if you know other things you might kind of look into your profile and kind of ways that you might keep approaches, change approaches, and that type of stuff for next season. Uh, so the first thing I saw was that you lowered your your already great walk percentage from seven percent to barely over five in 2020. And a big reason I saw this astronomical increase as far as just your efficiency in the zone was that you threw 41% of your total pitches in the zone in 2019. And that number jumped to 48% in 2020. And that 7% jump was the highest in all of baseball. And if you actually break it down by actual pitches, it was a 229 pitch increase, which the next closest pitcher with that number of pitches in the strike zone was 30 from glass now. So you guys were the only two pitchers that actually upped their pitches in the zone from last year. So I'm kind of curious, was that kind of going into this season, you something you knew you wanted to do to just kind of turn out that way? Kind of, can you explain that for us? Um, honestly, until I saw the tweet about it, I didn't, I didn't think twice about it. It wasn't a goal. Um, whether just situationally what I was doing last year, whatever needed to be done. I don't know if it was just situations of the game or, or whatnot. Um, I, it was not intentional to increase the usage in the zone. Obviously, I'm all, uh, that's that's going to be part of my game plan. Not not throwing upper nineties, um, but as the pitcher I am with multiple pitches, I have to be creative with what I'm doing and showing multiple pitches in the zone, and it's going to be beneficial. I'll need to expand a little more, but uh, I'm definitely digging into that to see if that was a, a positive increase of pitches in the zone or if it's something I need to evaluate and move forward um, to what pitches were more in the zone and where were they and what were the counts and use that moving forward. Yeah. And 
by pitching more in the zone, it actually upped your K percentage while it decreased the walk rate that we had, that I had brought up before. But it seems a big kind of formula for your success, just from the little bit I was looking in, when you had your spinning cut fastball up in the zone and you paired that with your heavy ground ball sinker, kind of like a bowling ball type of thing. And then that effective curve that you have, is this kind of the approach that you've kind of usually take where you try to change that hitter's eye level consistency and uh, consistently, like you said, you don't throw the high 90s fastball. But I feel with all the stuff that you bring to the table that you have that really good gift of being able to kind of be that artist and different, throw different parts of the strike zone and, and change that eye level. Is that a part of your game that you take pride in? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have to be a guy that throws strike to ball pitches or ball to strike pitches, which for some clarification, just doesn't understand that. It's just a pitch that may start out of the hand looking like a ball and finish a strike or start in the zone and then finish a ball. Um, that's that's what I have to do with the velocity and movement that I have on my pitches. And that's that's the type of pitcher that I know I can be. Um, whether it stays like that or I make some tweaks here and there, that this game is always changing and I'm always going to have to change if I want to continue pitching at the level that I'm at. I can't just stay and expect it to continue to work. Hitters also get paid a lot of money to do what they do. Um, the more I pitch, the more scattering reports come out and this game is always developing and changing it's the same game but the way that it's being played is is always changing so just have to continue to learn and grow and take what i have in my arsenal and use that to to the best of what we can predict now aaron you mentioned that the game is changing and there are sites like fan graphs and i looked uh earlier so your era through the first time through the order is 3.81 the second time through the order is 4.91 and the third time through the order was 5.57. So my, my question, and this is kind of a two-parter, with the information now like fan tracks, is that something that pitchers look at? And what changes will you make, if any, facing hitters for the second or third time this upcoming season? Um, yeah, I mean, those websites are great. I, I'm my favorite person. I think the, the information on there and the visuals on there. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm, I'm more of a visual person, so with all the all the diagrams and and whatnot that they can put out there. Um, that's, that sticks with me better than just a bunch of numbers and uh, words on paper. Um, but yeah, I think navigating lineups is definitely a, a huge part of being a starter in the big leagues. And typically that third time through, you're, you're not at 100% energy that day. I mean, you're never at 100% energy for the day. You're just at what you are for that day. You're never here. You're never always feeling your best. Maybe one, two, three, or four starts a year um, out of 30. But I think um, it kind of depends on the day. And obviously, going into a game, you want to, as a starter, you want to get as far into the game as possible. Um, but I know, I, I mean, evaluating my season that I just had, I think if you took all the best innings and my nine worst innings, I think the numbers would have been a lot better on paper and a lot better indicator of what the the work that put in so I just have to go back and avoid those those nine innings that happen in a, a third of a season and just be more careful and it, it really just came down to probably no more than 40 or 50 pitches total on the season that could have been executed or gone a different way and on paper would have been a completely different season I'm not going to look too far into that obviously there there's always room for improvement but I think uh, 
just comes down to executing at the end of the day. Yeah. Eric, Eric, I'm stopping you here because we're on with Aaron Savale, and you embarrassed both of us, me and Aaron, with that question. Because one, you did not bring up baseball savant, and two, you called Fangraphs Fan Tracks, which is our podcast. Oh network, my right? god! Okay, so <laughs> I'm we're both embarrassed for you, but continue. So one of the you know I love your answers; they're very humble, and I love how you're looking forward. So 2019, you had 10 starts and you threw 57.2 innings pitched. And last year, you had 12 games started. You threw 74 innings, which was sixth most in the majors and third most in the AL. So is this the year that the training wheels kind of come off and the Indians are going to let you throw 200-plus innings barring injury? I mean, that's a goal every year. Yeah, I think getting over 200 innings is super impressive in today's game. I know Bieber accomplished that at the end of last year and just look what he's been doing. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that that's what I'm aiming for, but I mean, why not? He's He's been one of the best pitchers in the game for the last year and a half, two years straight. Um, I do think getting to that 200 inning mark is extremely impressive if you do the math out. If Even if you threw six innings and 30 starts, that's still only 180. Um, if you're getting to that 200 inning mark, you're obviously doing something right. That means you're pitching deep in the games. Your numbers are good. You're you're giving your team a chance to win. And and at the end of the day, it's a goal of the starter. Yeah, well said. And going back to your starting, I want to actually talk about your stuff. You're the definition of a kitchen sink, man. I mean, you throw six pitches that I can't imagine as a hitter trying to decipher what's coming. And Basically, you throw five different pitches anywhere from nine to thirty percent of the time, which is again such a a close range as far as you see for pitchers these days. So I'm curious. When I looked a little bit more into your stuff, I saw that you decided to up your curveball usage, knock down your slider usage, but your slider was actually really, really good in 2019. So I'm kind of my first question is: Was there a reason that you decided to kind of cut the use of your slider, up the use of your curveball, and you plan to potentially throw more of your cutter? to set up your breaking pitches as well this year? Uh, for me, my three most comfortable pitches are my my sinker, which I use more of a running two seam. It's just sinker spin, so it's just how it's labeled. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think many websites or anyone even really labels two seams anymore. It's just either four seam or sinker. Um, mm-hmm. So sinker, cutter, curveball are my three most comfortable pitches. Um, I have a good idea of where I can miss with those and when I do miss, what's going to happen? Um, but that slider, I, it was a different grip this past year. Um, always tinkering with that. In the past, my slider has been a pitch that is either blended with my cutter or blended with my curveball. So still trying to figure out that right uh, spot for that. Obviously, not super important to have that because there are so many other options for me. Um, so when all three are are working on any given day. That's definitely a good day for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of time I might throw five pitches, but on any given day, maybe three of them are what I want or two of them are exactly what I want. And the other ones might just have to be, uh, not, I don't want to say for show because they're, they're still part of my arsenal. Um, I don't want to degrade myself. <laughs> um, but I, I think, just moving forward, it's always a work in progress. And once you get into that that fifth day, it's in what you have that day and going from there. It's not necessarily about what you think you have or what you had in the past. It's 
you can't really do anything beyond what you're doing out there on the mound. So you just got to go in there and and fight with what you got, basically. Yeah, and it's interesting because you brought up that that sinker is kind of a two-seamer. So my first thing after this interview is to write a complaint to Baseball Savant to make sure they update that for you. But talking about that sinker two-seamer, it seems I was reading into a little bit, and I, I know you're you're close with Roberto Perez, and uh, you guys kind of have a lot of dialogue about kind of how you approach hitters. And I saw a quote that they were talking about your sinker two-seamer was kind of riding into hitters a lot more this year as opposed to kind of staying in its lane. And it seemed to kind of come in to the barrel of the bat. And that kind of seemed why your your barrel percentages and exit velocities and, and things of that nature were a lot higher this year. Was that something you noticed throughout the year? And can you talk about your pitch sequencing and, and how you talk about pitching with Roberto Perez? Because it seems like you guys have a pretty good dialogue between you two. For sure. Um, just to start, he's an unbelievable catcher back there. Just an unbelievable confidence. I know going into the game, if I didn't prepare as well as I could have, or if I, I'm hesitant on one thing, I know he's back there and he knows what he's doing. He's, he's done his homework and he and I both work pretty similarly in game. We, we read the hitters and we make adjustments as a, a very good relationship that we've developed in a short period of time. Um, and this far, sorry, I lost. What was the first part of that question? Oh, that's all good. That was, I always just talk a lot. So that was my yeah, fault. It, no problem. <laughs> so I was saying your sinker two seamer. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. It was talking about it coming in a little bit more this year. Yep. Um, so as far as data goes, I think it was a little less run and a little more ride, um, mm-hmm. which full of a potential bad habit form during the quarantine or just something mechanically was changing there's always little things being worked out um but i think uh the action on it wasn't as consistent as it was in 2019 um which leads to placement in the zone not being exactly where i'm trying to throw it potentially um every time obviously i'm not gonna pin needle it every time that was where i know i'm aiming towards and i'm okay missing in certain areas and those those areas might not have been as a uh, as locked in as I would have liked. Um, you can you can aim for certain. If I'm going glove side up, I know that I a better miss for me is to miss further up than it is to miss on in the zone down. Um, without having that super consistent action, it's difficult to to make those decisions because you got to get it enticing to swing at, but not uh, not in the barrel. So. I think a little inconsistency with some action there and just I, I, that's where I was referring to potentially throwing more strikes may not have been the most beneficial thing. Uh, like I said earlier, I need to be a ball to strike pitcher for most of my pitches. So I, I would venture to guess that a lot of those hard hit balls were strike, strike sinkers um, or just in general. And that, that tends to be, the hard hit balls are the ones that are just on the plate the whole time. And David had talked about, you know, that someone the catcher, the other side of the battery, but I want to talk about someone kind of behind the scenes and that's Carl Willis, the pitching coach. And I look at the Cleveland rotation over the years, Corey Kluber, Clevenger, Bauer, Bieber, Plesak, Carrasco, McKenzie, you, you know, we joke in the fantasy baseball community that there's always something in the water because Cleveland pitchers seem to excel. So are there any pointers or mechanics that he teaches to get the best out of pitchers? 
Uh, he's he definitely knows what he's doing, but he's one of he's one of many. Um, every type of pitcher that comes into our organization, there's some kind of coach or instructor or analytical guy that can understand that individual's wavelength and how they learn and how to get the most out of their game. I don't think there's any cookie cutter answer. There's no and there's no magic answer. Um, a lot of it is just building a relationship, which is what they've provided. I know I've known Carl for just over a year and a half. I met him for the first time. I met him once in spring training the year before, and I was still in minor league camp, and I met him basically for the real the first time right before my debut. Um, but since then, it's been a easy, open relationship, and it's not been him telling me what to do or anyone else telling me what to do. It's always been back and forth communication which is what i think the indians do a really good job of is not forcing anything on us but once we do something we have to have a good reason behind it if it is player driven and they're good about that too if a player comes to them with something they're all for it as long as they can provide good reason for it aaron i want to switch gears here i heard you like to dabble in some cooking and I would like to say that I'm the Aaron Savali of cooking, a rising cook in the ranks, if you will. And so my first question to you, is anything you cook for your fiance right now that she brags and tells her girlfriends about? Um, I don't have a go-to meal, but we just started doing HelloFresh this offseason, especially with everything going on, trying to avoid the grocery stores or whatnot. Just it's pretty simple. Uh, they send you the ingredients and you cook it. Um, Obviously, everybody has to have some skills to put those meals together, but I'm, I don't have any secret meal or go-to meal. I just, I like, I like cooking. I enjoy it. It's it's fun for me. Um, I, I do not have a go-to meal, though. You okay. sound like a better cook than David already. I just called myself the Aaron Savali of cooking. You can't beat that. So um, I also saw, I think, in this interview that you have trouble cooking chicken. I have in the true? past, but I've I've gotten I've gotten over that. <laughs> okay, because I had a couple go to things for you, but it sounds like you, you got that figured out. Um, yeah, I, figured, I figured that out during quarantine, so we're all good there. <laughs> all right, good. I love that. My next question for you. So your nickname, if I understand, is Civ, right? Yes, everyone calls me Civ. It's easiest. So I had a couple ones that i would like to throw at you in case you think they're good and if you just turn them down i won't be offended hopefully you won't hate me after these nicknames but i thought of them and i'm kind of proud so just let me know if you like any of them okay sure go for it uh so the first one i thought of is the ac unit so you have randy johnson who is the big unit your initials are ac and you also ha are cool as a cucumber on the mound so the ac unit what do you think uh I'm not opposed, but I feel like you need to either be 300 pounds or throw 98 to have that kind of nickname. <laughs> so I feel neither. Shooting, uh, down, shooting down his idea. I love it. All right, we'll throw that one in the graveyard here. I got number two here, the chef, because you cook meals at home, but you also cook on the mound. <laughs> hey, I'm I'm not going to self-impose any nicknames here. I think that's, that's part of it. It has to be given to you, so. But since I'm, well, if, if you just say, you know, kind of a wink, wink, I like it, I'll, I will bestow it and then I'll, it'll spread and then you won't say that you gave it to you. So, <laughs> pretty um, broad, but. All right. The, the last one, 
So you, obviously your name's Aaron Savale, but the last part, Valet, sounds like ballet. So I, if we call you the ballet because you park hitters to their benches after a failed at bat. What do you think that one? <laughs> I don't know. That's a stretch. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I'm thinking right now. Like he's pulling anything out of his butt to tie two ends together, but it's creative. I was just, I was like hoping yeah. one might stick. But. Creativity. Uh, um, those are some, some of those are big shoes to fill. So. Right, well, maybe, maybe one day uh, something will, if any nickname sticks, it'd be pretty cool, but Siv is still a pretty cool one. We're talking with Aaron Savale. Great, great pitcher for the Cleveland baseball team, a rising star in the majors. Aaron, we'll get you out of here on this. We like to do a little bit of rapid fire with our guests with some interesting questions, just kind of this or that style. Are you game? Sure. Yeah, go for it. All right. So the first one, would you rather throw a no hitter or make the all-star team? Um, I think a no hitter, because if you throw a no hitter, you're probably doing something pretty good and you should probably have a good shot of making the all-star team anyway it's happening this year i can feel it the no hitter Mm -hmm. all right fair enough uh you can bring back only one of these 90s snacks okay i don't know if you were a big 90s snacker guy but dunkaroos scooby-doo fruit snacks the wonder ball or 3d doritos scooby-doo fruit snacks the blue one was specifically. It? Yes! <laughs> it, was, it was Scooby that was the blue one, right? Yep. Yeah. So Those good. were the best. Um, all right. Would you rather eat brownies with the chance of biting into a rock or eat an entire jar of mayonnaise? Oh, brownies. I'll just go very gingerly into my bite. That's <laughs> great ball. Risk taker. I like it. Would you rather have one wish granted today or three wishes granted in 10 years? 10 years from now, three wishes. It's a patient, man. I like it. So you have a, uh, I understand you like video games. Would you rather give up video games or you have to go full vegan? Uh, So if I give up video games, I have to go full vegan? Or if I I don't give them up, I have to go full vegan? Yeah. So if either, if you have, if you play video games, you have to go vegan. And if you don't give them up, then I'm mixing it up. Video games. Yeah, yeah. No, I got what you're saying. Um, yeah. I I would give up video games to stay not vegan. Man likes his chicken. I like that. So, all right, next one for you. In a nine-inning game, you pitch a nine-inning complete game, all right? Your options are option A, allow two to three earned runs with 15 Ks, or allow no runs with five Ks. Uh, how many runs do we score? One more than whatever you gave up. Enough to give you the win. Yeah. We win. I'll take the two to three with 15 Ks. I like it. Yes. I was hoping you'd say that. Uh, all right. Dinner with Samuel L. Jackson or Morgan Freeman? Oh. That's a tough one. Star Wars movies are obviously part of a big show. Morgan Freeman's been in a lot of Batman series and all the other movies that was that Christopher Nolan is probably he's my favorite director. So I would have to go with Morgan Freeman. I feel like that's the right answer. Just because hearing him talk, I would just be intrigued the entire dinner. His voice just carries it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Last two here I know for Samuel you. Samuel Jackson is a big golf fan though. So that would be good. Uh, is he really? One. I yeah. didn't know you were a, you're a big golfer. Yeah. 
I like the golf. Yeah, I just started getting into it this year, pretty much for the first time. But so then we got these last two here. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Um, I'm gonna say no. You know, you're the first person to say that. Every single person I've asked this question, it says it is because there's two slices of bread and something in the middle. It's one slice of bread cut half into it. <laughs> so that's that's what I I agree to. I think people look into it too much. It's that one slice cut down. That Aaron, you're a smart guy, so I knew I knew you were going to say the right answer for that one. So that takes us. The meat on a sandwich has to be like flat and like a long and pancake shaped, not tubey. Well, and that well then. So if you have a hamburger, then that then you don't call that a sandwich because it's the patty's like a thicker thing than They're right. Their own type of food, uh, I feel like. I would call a burger a sandwich. Oh, Aaron, you're confusing me now. Because <laughs> I thought it was that thin piece that you said had to be in the middle. Oh, not necessarily thin. Just it has to be more round, like more circular. Uh, it's hard to okay. explain without drawing or being next to you. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that. Um, so this is the most important one. I saved it for last. All right. So you might have to think about this one. So you're allowed to pitch 200 innings next year, which you may anyway. But it's guaranteed that you'll get 200 innings. The only caveat is I'm your catcher for 20 of those innings. Is it worth it? <laughs> uh, wh- <laughs> I don't know, because that might be that might be two. That's maybe three or four losses right there. So <laughs> let me sweeten the pot here. I've never played an ounce of competitive baseball in my life. Does that sway you at all? I'll take my chances with Babo. I love it. Shooting him down, not even buttering up a little <laughs> Only bit. Only 20 It could be two starts, two and a half starts maybe. Or... That could be four or five losses for the team, which could put us out of the playoffs. So. No, that's true. It's a true team player by not having Yeah, and David, you're not going to add anything with the bats. So. I'll be a good dugout presence. I'll have these questions for everybody okay. in the dugout to keep it light. Yeah, we weren't allowed in the dugout this past year, so I don't know. Well, that's right, yeah, because you guys had to sit what in the uh, in the sta- in the stands, right? Yeah, we have like uh, suites that are right on the field level down there, so we just were in there. I mean, I I'm hopeful if baseball starts, you know, even if it's delayed a little bit, you think fans will be allowed in with the delayed start of the season, and you guys will be back in the dugout. I sure hope so. I sure hope so. Yeah, well, Aaron. You're truly the man. Really appreciate and thank you for your time. Really privileged for us to be able to talk with you today and uh, want to give you a chance if there's anything you would like to promote to our audience or anything like that. The floor is yours. I don't have too much right now. Thank you. Thanks for having me on and it's a pleasure talking to you guys. Yeah, and, and make sure you follow Aaron on Twitter and Instagram at Aaron Savale. Got a lot of great stuff on his pages. You won't regret that follow. And, uh, if you play fantasy baseball, make sure you draft him early as he's a great guy and he's going to provide a lot of upside this year. And my goal was for this interview, I said it off air. I said to make Aaron laugh once, I think. I think I achieved that. It was very quiet, but I got one. So, uh, yeah, man, I just, again, appreciate you and uh, good luck in the uh, next upcoming season. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Aaron.